0: Episode of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I am Jared, and I'm here with uh, Scourge of Ironforge and Games Industry Public Defender Nick Zolnecavage.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing?
0: Yes, and this is Mashcast number 152, end of March. So you know, but that means we are going to do uh, you know what you've been playing as opposed to news bites, and that's pretty good considering that we didn't have that much to talk about <laughs> anyway. There wasn't much happening last week. You know, I didn't see anything uh, that, mu- that much happening last week in terms of game news. So, um, yeah, we'll just get into what you've been playing. Nick, what have you been playing?
1: Warcraft. <laughs>
0: Period.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. I'm actually, I'm actually dialing back my Hearthstone and Destiny uh, play. Um, mostly because when everything is daily quests, then you kind of start having to choose what daily quests you're going to do. Um, and I don't know, like Hearthstone's supposed to be having the Blackrock expansion coming. I think this week actually comes out on the second. Um, or it's not an exp- expansion, it's an adventure. Um, I don't have the gold to pay for it right now. I haven't been earning the gold to pay for it. So I feel like I'm going to wind up sitting this one out. So even though it's a free-to-play game, I think I might be out on Hearthstone for a while. Uh, I'm right. sure I'll come back at some point. Uh, and then Destiny, I'm still messing around with my Titan. I did not play enough Iron Banner the other week to actually earn anything. So all those motes of light I spent on the little, uh, the token to up your, your rate of iron banner rep were a waste.
0: Well, you uh, should only, it's only
1: be like one mote of light per day. Yeah. But still, I, I, I played, I, I bought one per day and I played maybe like four out of the seven days and I still only got up to, uh, like I didn't even get to, to rank two. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Cause you that know, what the, the, well. the, the problem is that the, uh of the six bounties that they offer, I'm really only good at two of them. I can get the 10,000 experience and I can get the uh, the 10 melee kills. But yeah. the head, the headshots, that's not that's not how I play. I don't I don't I don't use headshots. Yeah, like yeah, the, the Iron Banner
0: bounties are uh, they're definitely harder than most. Like, you know, most of the time I'll get most of those bounties daily. Like uh, I forget, there's one that I... actually are there. Like the one that I, I I might be maybe on is the machine gun headshot one. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, like the you know the ten kill streak, uh, the headshots, the melees, I usually get them all.
1: I've never I've never had a ten kill streak. I've barely I've had maybe two five kill streaks. Oh really? So <laughs> yeah, the problem the problem is because I the way I play my Titan is you know I I try to run up at people and, and punch them in the face generally. It's and um, you know it's I, I you know it's a like I'll kill you you'll kill me kind of proposition like at best I'm looking at fifty fifty, so in order for me to kill ten people in a row without dying, my playstyle is not suited to that at all. Why are you so opposed to actually shooting
0: people in Destiny?
1: Because punching people is way more fun. <laughs> I was <laughs> okay. I was telling you before there was one part on uh, on one of the maps I dropped down literally in the middle of, like four guys and I just punched them all to death and. That does not happen often but that was fun it's it's one of those things where as long as as long as the other guy doesn't have a shotgun which lately these days ever since they, they buff shotguns is not has is, is, uh, is been more frequent but uh, as long as the other guy doesn't have a shotgun I can usually charge him in the face and kill him uh, before he can get the shot off although I'm, except for iron banner where because I'm only level 29 if they're level 32 then I hit them in the face and I get them down to like this much health left but not enough to kill them at which point they can shoot me
0: Yeah, I don't think it's about the shotgun buff. I think it's more about the uh, fusion rifle nerf. That's the thing. The fusion rifle, you know, people used to carry fusion rifles as a secondary all the time because the range was ridiculous. Now, uh, the fusion rifle spreads out when when you shoot further.
1: So, go ahead. I played a match against somebody, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he he knew what he was doing with that fusion rifle, because pretty much any time I saw him, in the time it would take me to close the distance to him, he was able to charge that thing up and kill me. So that guy... Well, the thing,
0: some fusion rifles still are pretty powerful, like the Pocket Infinity, even though I'm seeing that way less, but the Pocket Infinity used to be ridiculous. Like, people were killing me with that shit from, like, I don't know, I would say, like, uh, scout rifle distances sometimes. It was ridiculous, dude. Uh, like the like the pocket infinity and a couple of other fusion rifles, but now since they, they nerfed it, it the range on them, or I say they didn't necessarily nerf the range, but the range spreads out based on how far you're shooting it, and that that I think that's why you're seeing more people carry shotguns. Shotguns have always been my secondary, always. Like once I got that invective, that's when I really started carrying the shotgun all the time, and now I'm using um a uh, secret handshake. That that's my that's my go-to for shotguns.
1: And that's, that's one of those things, too. I keep thinking, like, I need to learn how to use the shotgun, but I don't know. My my first instinct is just punch, throw grenade, you know, use super if it's available. Like,
0: Nick, you aim down the scope and you shoot, baby. Like, that's, that's, that's how you use the shotgun.
1: You know what? The thing, though, I've, I've realized, like, I like my gun to just, like, I, I like the auto rifle because I can just pop that off. If I can find one with enough ammo so that it doesn't run out at a key point, <laughs> um, I'm trying to, like, upgrade that. It sounds but like
0: you need it. Why don't you get four of the people or the Soros? Uh,
1: What? For the, so is that sh- those shotguns or those auto rifles? That's auto rifles. For the
0: people is, I, is, a, is an auto rifle that will, as you continue to shoot it, have, gets more accurate. I might have For the People. You use that. That's a good one. I use that, and then when I got a Soros, I put that away.
1: What's, what's the one that you can buy from the Crucible vendor? For the People. Okay, yeah, that one I have. I'm looking at, there's Dead Orbit has one that I, I was looking at that looked pretty good. And so I'm trying to grind up my Dead Orbit rep so I can get that shotgun, or not that, get that auto rifle.
0: Mm. okay are oh, you yeah. talking about
1: destiny <laughs> pretty much pretty much so we're, we're
0: done with our in orbit se- segment <laughs>
1: that's it uh, ne- next week right no two weeks two weeks two weeks two weeks we're gonna have a two new weeks, in orbit yeah. oh, right. cool so ho- hopefully this will tide you over on your destiny talk right yeah
0: <laughs> okay uh anything else or is that it no <laughs> okay my turn So let's see, I've actually, I had like half of March off from work, so I've actually had a good chance to play a lot of stuff. I mean, we played uh, Destiny, of course, Uh, Helldivers, which uh, I liked that. I thought that was a really good, I thought that was a good game. I haven't played in a few weeks, because the group that we played with, they really stopped playing it, and it's my fault. I disconnected first, because week one of the Spring Fever was Helldivers, week two was Hotline Miami 2. So I kind of broke off and I started playing Hotline Miami 2. And I beat that within a few days. And now I'm actually going through Hotline Miami 2 again on the hard mode. And well, Hotline Miami 2, man, that, is, that was a great game. That was a great follow up. And it even has a good story. And, and I'll warn people, to, I think, to fully understand the story of Hotline Miami 2, especially the ending, especially the ending um you need to have the secret ending from Hotline Miami 1. If you don't have the secret ending from Hotline Miami 1 or haven't seen it at least, I don't know how you could possibly understand the real ending uh of, of Hotline, you know, Miami 2. Unless the, well, there's uh, something in Hotline Miami 2, I guess you can kind of understand what's going on. Like there's uh you play as this one guy, you play as Jake, he wears a snake mask. So you know, Jake the snake, <laughs> but uh He, um, if you can do his final mission without dying, and I'm not going to tell you what happens, but if you can do his final mission without dying, um, on the final two floors, like, the first two floors you can die, and you'll be brought back. But on the final two floors, if you can finish his last mission without dying, you get a different, uh, you get a different cutscene. So, like, um, that might help explain the ending, but, like, I don't think... I still... Yeah, if you didn't... You really need to watch the ending, the secret ending. Hotline Miami 1 to get the full understanding of it. And the game itself becomes less mindless. Like, a lot of people think Hotline Miami is mindless killing. What? Yeah, because, yeah, it's way less mindless than you think. I mean, even, like, Hotline Miami 1, when you beat... When you beat... or oh, not beat it, but once you get past... I think it's... Chapter 11... I think at the end of Chapter 11 is when you find out what's happening to your character, per se. So, you know, after the end of uh, Chapter 11, the game kind of becomes different. It's almost a different game. Like, it's not just going into a place, killing somebody, and then leaving. Like, it feels like you, you, you have more of a purpose in what you're doing now. So, you know, that, that, you know the game definitely isn't just mindless killing. There is a story... But the story of the second one is way more in-depth than the story of the first. And it's good. But, uh, yeah, so Halime, I mean, it was awesome. Halaamameha uh, 2, uh, I should say, is awesome. Not I'm, I'm going through it in a, hardcore, a hard mode. And oh, for those who have beaten it and haven't tried hard mode, uh, when you start hard mode, there's a new cutscene before you start the actual game. So you might well just want to boot it up to see that. Uh, let's see. But yeah, Helldivers is cool. It provides more funny moments because friendly fire is always on. You can hurt your teammates. The things you deploy you hurt your teammates. Um, actually, it's made by the same guys who made Magicka. So it's kind of like Magicka with guns because Magicka is the same way. Like, you can hurt your your teammates by doing your spells. And it leads to a lot of funny stuff. That's why you have to play with friends. You gotta play with friends because if you don't, if you play with randoms, it can get a bit heated, you know? It can't it can't get a bit heated, but you play with friends is like you know oh pff, Jeff dropped that mech on me ha ha yeah, way to go Jeff <laughs> you know you can you know you can like make fun of people and stuff like that without it getting really heated. Um, Hell, diver is supposed to be like this huge social game where you know based off of how many people are playing and you know how well they're doing. Like you you push as a group into like the, these uh, these enemy worlds and likewise like if nobody's playing in those zones the enemies push back and then you can help defend i've actually never done a defense and i want to do it uh a defense came one time we were playing but my team was like no let's just do this other thing i'm like okay that's fine (laughs) you know uh but yeah it was that was a fun game Uh, a week after that fucking jamestown plus came out that game is awesome i love jamestown man i love it so much i bought it again on ps4 and um I just don't have anybody to play with. I was hoping the game was going to have online multiplayer, but no dice, unfortunately. So uh, that was cool. Uh, what else have been playing? Ori and the Blind Forest. Oh, my God. That game, I don't know. Like, Nick, it might be the best-looking game I've ever played. Yes. like it yes. is. It looks amazing. It plays amazing. 60 frames per second, 1080p. Um, I had to turn off Crossfire. When I turned off Crossfire, it actually performed better than when I had Crossfire on. Hmm and it, it just looks amazing It plays amazing it's a it's a it's, it's actually a metroidvania platformer that's what it is so okay. the world's are open you can run back and forth enemies reappear after a certain amount of time there's puzzles and stuff like that and you get these awesome powers and dude i don't know man it, they did i, I it's I, the game was off of my radar i heard of it and then i didn't follow it anymore and then um, it came out, I was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And I was just blown away. The music is excellent. Like, Nick just watched the video of me playing it, and he was, qu- he was quite impressed. I'm,
1: I've been hearing not just yourself, but I've been hearing other people talking about how good that game is. And it's definitely it's something I need to pick up.
0: Yeah. Like, and it's, it, is, it is the game that Microsoft has over Sony right now. It's the only thing I can think of that Microsoft has over Sony that, in a good way.
1: So if you, if you, you've been playing that on your PC, though you said, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure the 60 frames per second at 1080p actually translate over to uh, Xbox, though. If it doesn't, i would be surprised. But the yeah, the game looks amazing. I would highly, if you like Metroidvania platformers, like I would highly suggest picking it up. Some people said it's too difficult. I don't know. Like, it wasn't like you know. Sometimes I'll go into a puzzle and not really know what to do, but after a little bit, I'll, I'll get it. It's definitely not easy, but it's not really that hard. I mean, one of my friends, he was having a problem with one part, and he was literally just overthinking it. That's all. He was just overthinking it, I showed him how I did it, and that was it. So, yeah, Ori and the, and the Blind Forest, awesome. Awesome game. Um, recently, actually, I got back into Ghost Recon online, man. Because like, I've been... You know, <sighs> playing Destiny is more of a social thing for me now. Especially right now. When we get into Destiny, me and my cousin will hook up, or me and my friends, and we'll get into a group, we'll play Crucible, and we'll just be talking while we're playing. And that's the fun part of it. That's that's the thing that keeps roping us back together into Destiny, not the actual game itself. So to go back to a shooter where there's actually a sense of accomplishment in getting a kill, you know, or taking an objective, or or just playing in general, you know. I... I uh. I haven't played Ghost Recon Online in a really long time. Actually, when I... Uh, I played in the beta, but then, you know... For for a long time, I played in the beta. But then my stats got wiped when they did the wipe uh, from the beta. So, you know, that was fine. Uh, I only had, like, a level 8 character. <laughs> so, that's that's low level in that game. I was in, like, the beginners category. And I was doing alright. But, you know, then I got moved up to the next category. And it's like, you know, these guys have better weapons, better gear... And it's kind of like, well, am I ready to invest in this game? Do I actually want to spend some money? Do you know what? Do I actually want to do here? Uh, and I'm still not sure yet, but you know, it, it you actually it feels like you earn your kills in that game because you know, Ghost Recon, affair, it's not Ghost Recon Online, it's Ghost Recon Phantoms, it's called now. That's not a game where you just run around and shoot people, running around will just get you killed. Like, I've had people, you know. Pop out of an area thinking it's clear, and then like I just pop up from behind cover, one, two, three shots—you're you're gone. You know, that's if I don't get you with a headshot the first time. You know, And yeah. So it's and, and actually sniper shots like one of the reasons I don't snipe in Destiny is because I think it's boring. You know, it's it's boring. Like you just kind of sit there, you wait back, and you uh, you just wait for somebody to across you know coming across your crosshairs. And <clears throat> you fire. And the thing about Destiny, when you snipe, there's no repercussion for getting shot in the face. Like, if I shoot you in the face while you're a sniper, you're not gonna flinch, which means you can still get your shot off if you're not a terrible shot. And Ghost Recon is not like that, man. Like, you have to, your shots have to be precise. You know, they have to, because if you get shot, if you actually get hit while you're shooting somebody with a sniper rifle, your, your aim's gonna be off. So actually getting that sniper shot off while you're under fire or, you know, you gotta get the shot off before somebody starts shooting at you, that's I says something else. I've been playing Recon and Ghost Recon uh the, the Recon class and Ghost Recon Phantoms and that's been a lot of fun. Especially while I learned some of the newer maps. Uh I was doing good on the maps that I knew, but the newer maps it was kinda like I just didn't know how to navigate them properly and I constantly found myself getting killed from behind and stuff like that. But I wasn't upset. I wasn't getting upset by the kills. Like ever since I started playing Ghost Recon again, I I'm so accustomed to Destiny now where I I complain because a kill is unfair i feel a kill is unfair like i should have had that guy that guy was lagging or that guy only killed me because used an op weapon that never happens in ghost recon man like when i when i get shot in the face it's because the guy out he either outshot me or i did something stupid i moved from a place where i really shouldn't have i wasn't thinking and that that's fine like i'm fine with that and i learned from that experience that's all about that's how you learn how to play but Yeah, it feels good to play a game where I can die and not be angry about it. (laughs) You know? that makes sense, Nick?
1: Yes, it does. Yes, it does.
0: Yeah, so, but yeah, Ghost Recon Online, or goddammit, Ghost Recon Phantoms. uh, Definitely, definitely uh, looking forward to playing more of that with uh, some of my PC friends again. And I haven't given up on Destiny at all, especially with the expansion coming out and stuff soon. So, you know, I'll still be playing that. and You know, I said, it's a social thing for me. So, I have a whole different group of players that I play with on console. Like, my PC friends don't play console. You know? They don't mix the chocolate with their peanut butter.
1: Because they, they think they're better than us.
0: Well, that's because they are better than us. <laughs> but you're a PC gamer yourself, Nick. You're one of us.
1: I play well on the PC and Destiny on the console. I'm. I'm well, I'm, yeah, you're still PC, though. I mean, that
0: doesn't lower your class. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not dual class. No, no no dual class here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's... I guess that's it for what you've been playing. Let's, um, let's get into our topics. First, a, a quick follow-up to last week's Kojima topic. Uh, there has been an official announcement, or official statement from Konami, and it says, In accordance with recent change in production organization of all Konami, Kojima Productions, as well as other internal production companies, has had its name, etc. changed to move into the corporate headquarters work structure, the name and organization has changed, but as before, Metal Gear Solid 5, the Phantom Pain, is continuing as a work as, oh, sorry, is continuing as a, a work from director Kojima and the existing team members. Uh, so it looks like you know the same team is working on the Phantom Pain, but it doesn't really answer the question: Is Kojima going to stay with Konami after the fact? Because you know it looks like Kojima was, uh, you know was removed from their executive roster. And I don't think, you know, I mean, I, I get that, you know, Kojima Productions was an internal production company of Konami, but I don't think Kojima would just be okay with, okay, fine, take my name off of it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think they'd be necessarily okay with that.
1: Yeah, unless, unless he's getting some other promotion some other way or, yeah, yeah, this is, this, yeah, this is like part one of a two-part move and we don't know what the second part's going to be. Well, they know we don't. Well, they, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> they, yeah, like we don't know yet. Um, I have a feeling that Kojima is going to leave. This is one of those things they don't want to. They don't want to announce it because they don't want it to affect you know stock price too early, things like that. Or have maybe another plan, like you know, hey, we are trading uh, Hideo Kojima for Patrice Desiletz,
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a player to be named later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and two years of draft picks <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah it's um that it's it, it, they're still dancing around but you know they're at least i I think their major concern was to make sure that gamers knew that kojima was still working on this metal gear uh because you know they didn't want people to think well kojima's not working on it. it's not going to be worth it uh but to be honest with you a lot of i haven't i don't know i mean i have i've talked to some optimistic metal gear fans but a lot of Metal Gear fans aren't necessarily okay with the way Metal Gear is looking right now. Like, that, that open world view. Like, the, Metal, like this, th- that was definitely a move for non-Metal Gear fans. The open world and, you know, stuff like that. Like Metal Gear fans enjoyed the, uh, you know, the, the singular direction that you had to go in. Actually, I shouldn't even say singular, because you, you, know, you could go back and forth between spaces in Metal Gear uh beforehand but you know you were you kind of knew where you needed to go it wasn't open and like you know the the camera angles were made specifically for stealth you know that that really worked out and i don't know like it made the game could be great i'm really hoping it is because you no know, nobody wants a bad metal gear game especially not me but i from what i played on um you know, on uh, was it Ground Zeroes? I didn't like it. Like, I, I I did the main Ground zero story, and that was it. Like, you do like six other things you could do, or five other things you could do, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I was like, "This is uh, I don't like the way it plays." And wasn't that game only like a few hours anyway? Actually, I think the the shortest time was seven minutes. That was that was the shortest time. <laughs> well, that was seven that minutes.
1: Sounds like an intentional speed run, though. I mean, that's... yeah, that's
0: a, yeah, I, I took me an hour and ten minutes to get through it. Took me an hour and ten minutes to get through it. Um, you know, once you adjust to the open world, and especially the fact that if somebody sees you, you have, like, I don't know, five, six seconds to respond with a shot, you know, to knock them out. Like, you have that. So, it's like, it makes it a lot easier to, to escape those situations. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I, I I just didn't really like it. <laughs> the, the, the way it played and I tried playing some of the other stuff and it just wasn't that great you know I was like I couldn't, I couldn't do it unfortunately so I don't know, we'll see. I, I, don't know ne- I don't necessarily know if having Kojima's name on this one is going to make people buy it or not to be honest with you I mean I'm going to get it anyway I think every Metal Gear fan's going to get it like I, up until now I think everybody's, everybody's least favorite Metal Gear is Metal Gear Solid 2 and even that one's not a terrible game it's just the worst out of the series uh, so, all Metal Gear fans are going to get it, and we're going to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, you know? We'll see. Uh, let's see. Next up, there's uh, Rust, the game. Actually, you know to be honest, with you, I don't even know what Rust is about. Do you know, Nick? Is it a survival it, game?
1: I think it's a survival game. I, I feel like it has zombies, but that might just because I feel like every survival game lately really has zombies.
0: Yeah, I think that's everything. Like, I think, I do think it's a survival game. Let me just check Steam real quick. That would have been really good information. I didn't even think about it right now until I was getting ready to describe Rust. I was like, huh. Oh, yeah, so it looks like a survival game where you have to camp and uh, build shit. I don't think it's a zombie survival game.
1: though. Everything's um,
0: a zombie survival game. Yeah, it actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, you, you get, it's a first-person survival game where you, uh, you can hunt and make enemies, be hunted. It actually looks it looks pretty good. Um, but basically, uh, Rust is one of the features they added, I guess, recently? Or, you know, not like last week or anything like that. But now, before everybody was white in the game, okay? Uh, this is a shooter, so it probably didn't make a difference. It wouldn't really make a difference for me. But everybody was white. Now, your race is randomized in Rust. So you know you can become you know you, by picking your character, uh, you're you're gonna be white, black, Latino, Asian, and everything that falls in between all of that, um, you know, and that's actually locked to your Steam ID. So just deleting your character and making a new one is not gonna change your race. It'll just mean you delete your character and now you if you if your character was black before it's gonna be black now. If it's Latino before it's gonna be Latino now. Asian. So forth and so on. Uh, and also, according to the developer, they're still working, I guess, on the, face, on the faces, because they said they don't want to look like, you, know, a white guy with black face,, which, yeah. is, which is kind of a problem right now. And I get it, I think it's an early access, the game. Yes, it is an early access right now, so they probably had like the white guy model, and you know they put colors on it, and now they're actually going to work on making facial features for a set of models. Obviously, this is causing problems for some people. Uh, There were a lot of questions like, hey, my guy guy is black, but I want to be white. How do I change it? And uh, then they're talking, you know, some people thought it was a bug or something like that. And the developer's like, no, this is just the way it is. And, of course, people start, you know, uh, getting upset about it. start making racial, uh, racial remarks and things like that. I wonder if it's actually stopped people from playing the game or not. I haven't heard anything about that
1: yeah i don't well, I don't think it's the kind of thing where anybody's going to actually complain like, "Oh, I was going to play this game and now I'm not because of this feature. I think at least at, at this point most of the, most of the concerns are coming from people who were playing the game, and then all of a sudden their character now has a race that he didn't have before right so I mean then that's that's a bit of a transition here. Um, the only other problem is too is that race is such, race is such a part of our identity as people that yeah all of a sudden to be forced to play against that when you you know you know, uh, you know it, it's it's an added layer of complexity it's an interesting layer of complexity this is a very interesting social experiment it is um, but yeah it, it it especially if it's if if you had started playing the game and didn't know that this was coming um this you know i mean uh, yeah i can see how this would be uh this would affect your experience i guess they currently, I guess, prior prior to this, the only character you could play as was a white male, because I don't I don't think females have been implemented yet. Right. Um. So you know, so we'll have to see if they do the same thing with gender. Gender is a little more fluid than race, though. I mean, like you you know, it's it's you can you know choose your gender to a better degree than you can choose your your skin color. Right. Um. But. Um, so I wonder if they'd put a toggle on that, or at least, you know, when we're rolling the character, let you decide whether you want to be male or female. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, this is interesting. Um, what's really interesting is that after they did that, that there was an uptick in racist language in the forums.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, that's the thing. There was definitely an uptick of racist language in the forums. And I'm curious as to how, like, is this going to uh, change how people treat other people in the game? As well, I wouldn't it, be surprised, dude.
1: It may because it's it's one of those things where now, to a degree, your your character. I mean, well, I mean, because I mean, on the one hand, there's no explicitly conferred benefit to being any given race, but if there's the perception of that benefit, like oh, maybe people are less inclined to kill a white guy because, like, hey, you got you know you got lucky with the white role, and then maybe people will start hanging out with white guys more because they can protect them better. I don't know. I don't know if anything like that would happen, um, but yeah, I, I could see like an odd culture developing around that.
0: It's... Yeah, I mean, if the people, if the people in the forums who are using racist language, let's just assume they're actually racist, okay? So the people in the forum using or you know racist language are okay enough to use racist language in the forums and still play because what's been happening is um, people have been the community. Has been tracking these guys, hunting these guys down and killing them in the game. Okay? Yeah. As this racist language comes up. So, you know, the, we, the, we, you can say the people are still playing. They're, they're, they are already racist. So if they see a player with a black skin, like they're probably more inclined to kill it, would they not? Versus a player with a white skin. You know? Yeah, but, and then on top of that, since players are hunting down racists, they're probably going to feel like they're being persecuted and maybe grouped together that
1: way. But the problem is that racism is not defined by your skin color and especially in this case you could very easily be a racist who has a skin color that you you hate but since it's a it's it's a it is a first player game you said right so you can't actually see your skin color when you're playing you'll not see when it. you're
0: playing but you yeah. know like you know what
1: your character looks like yeah but then that's, that's like the uh the dave Chappelle skit or you're the black guy in the kkk yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i know what you mean But that's what I'm saying, like, just based off of appearances, are they more likely... Because, like I said, I haven't played Rust, but it's a survival game, so I would imagine you could kill people, you can rob people, you know, stuff like that. Would they be more likely to kill and rob non-white characters? And I keep saying white, like, white people are the only racists. That's vice versa (laughs) as well, you know? Like, how does this affect, you know, that dynamic?
1: Well, I guess I mean I suppose there's nothing stopping anybody from being like okay, I'm only going to hunt people of a certain color in the game and whatever their color be damned. Um well cuz yeah. you know it,
0: it could be I mean like in other games like let's say um Daisy I think you can choose your race and that's kind of a standard feature where you can choose your skin color, you can choose your gender. So it may not be as obvious in, you know, in in uh, games like that. Well, I wonder if the devs of Ru- of Rust can be like, okay, this these are the rates of you know how often you know this race kills this race, or how often this race will do trades with somebody of this race. You know what I'm saying?
1: What would be awesome is if they let you choose your race, but only you saw the race you chose, and everybody else saw the race that you were assigned. <laughs> So you would, you know, so it wouldn't bother you as much because you're not aware of how you're actually presenting to the world, and then yeah, everybody else can can attack you for whatever reason they want. Right. But no, because I mean, I guess the one thing too is that if if they let people choose their race, then ostensibly what would happen, and assuming that most people choose the race that they have in real life, is that you wind up with a player base, or you wind up with the, the racial diversity in game that mirrors what the player base actually is, and if that happens to skew you know, white or whichever way, then, the, you know, that would be reflected in the game world. But if they want to have a more diverse game world than what, you know, what their player base actually is, then this this completely masks that. And right. that may make it more accessible then to, you know, people who wouldn't be in the majority otherwise. Right. Ostensibly white people, but... Right, right. Yeah.
0: Well, this, this whole ordeal says something a lot about game communities, too. Um, I mean, for as much... For as much... Uh of a bad rap as gaming gets on the the racism front you know when you deal with online play specifically to have a community of gamers that like when you say something like you know blatantly racist in a forum they take action by hunting you down in game i think it says a lot uh toward the fact that you know game not necessarily games let's just say but gamers are not as racist as people as as it would seem (laughs) you know uh, you know, as you know, you read certain articles, it's like, oh, online is full of racists, like, and I think that go a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, racists are racist and they are loud about it, so they'll say stuff where in a lot of other cases, people who are non racist just won't say anything. You know, a squeaky wheel gets the grease type
1: of deal. Plus, there's the whole internet muscles philosophy.
0: Yes, that goes into it a lot. Yeah, a lot of people say a lot of racist shit that they would not say in real life. They would yeah. not dare say. In Life. Yeah. um and i have i i can i've gone to lands where people have said some shit to me online and i've confronted them face to face those usually turn into peaceful buddy buddy conversations <laughs> by the time, you know that's how we're done so, it so also, you
1: hug it out is what you're saying
0: uh-huh it also you know, it, tur- <laughs> it helps being 6'3 and weighing yes. like 280 pounds yes <laughs> so like <laughs> everybody wants to talk then you know but uh <laughs> but um you know, this is, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This won't be the last time you hear on the Matchcast. This is why you have to trust gaming communities to do their own thing, okay? Um, because, like, even the dev was saying, you know, they're not, they not—they were wondering whether or not they needed to get involved when people started, you know, slinging around the N-word, okay? And then they decided they didn't have to because the community was taking care of itself. You know, the community decided that they didn't want this behavior. So the punishment from the community is that if you say this shit, we will find you and we will kill you, in game. And that's fair. That's fair. Free world, right? You know, it's it's free country. You can say what you want, but you gotta be prepared for the consequences.
1: That, that, that just amazes me, though, that somebody can sling the N word at somebody else because of a virtual color of their skin.
0: Well, racist. They're racist. They're not, you know, I know logical.
1: But it's, it's, <laughs> I know, but I feel like in some way we've crossed some kind of a a marker as a society that now, like, racism doesn't even actually apply to your actual race. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, dude, do you know how often, like, you know, I'm playing Counter-Strike, and this is years ago, the first time I heard a white guy call another white guy a nigger. Like... Just and the the white guy clearly knew that the other white guy was white. <laughs> <It> was white. <laughs> he clearly did, and so he, he was, called him, he called him a nigger anyway.
1: So he was just using it as a general pejorative, regardless of actual meaning. Exactly, he was just trying to make it
0: make the guy angry, which worked because the other guy retorts, "I'm not a nigger. You're a nigger." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there listening to this conversation, like, wow. what a world we live in, <laughs> you know? Like that—that's the thing. Like it really. I, it, it is true that yeah, you really don't have to be a certain color to have like certain um racial slurs thrown at you. See,
1: but you know? I don't know. I, I would feel like though if if you're if you're using it wrong, effectively, and I'm putting air quotes around that, like, isn't that diminishing whatever power the word might have otherwise? Like if, I, technically speaking, I agree with you, but because
0: it made the other guy upset, no, it <laughs> it worked perfectly. So it's, it's it's it's
1: it's really like it only works among stupid people.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, well, you know that's the thing. But getting back to the whole like community thing, it's like the community decided that this is not okay, and they were going to hunt these people down and kill them. You know, and I guess it also affects like their trading ability, and you know, if the game works like that, because I haven't played it, but I can only imagine a survival game where you know, you you need to trade to survive and. In certain cases, if you can find... It's more like, it's more Walking Dead than, uh, than uh, you know, something more friendly. Like, where you gotta... You know, you, you, you probably have to kill somebody to take the supplies versus actually trading with them fairly. Yeah. Um, and teaming up with other people. You're probably teaming up with your friends, if anything yeah Which, uh, this I, is thing- i'm sorry go
1: ahead i was gonna say i think i've heard i've heard that a lot where oftentimes like if you encounter somebody they will probably try to kill you so you need to make sure even before you encounter anybody in the game that you're at least armed enough and, and aware enough that uh that they, they they you know that you can protect yourself i think it's it's one of those games too like where you log out it's like your character just goes to sleep so i think you can even be like killed while you're logged out of the game oh wow yeah it's really hardcore
0: wow yeah, so, like, you know, gaming communities, for the longest time, they've been able to manage themselves, and developers need to stop getting involved. <laughs> I think they need to back away from community management. I mean, not totally. You do need somebody who can interface with the community, but developers need to stop controlling the community.
1: Well, Go ahead. I just want to say, like, in this case, like, the developers set up the situation. So, it's like, it kind of makes sense that it's like, okay, if we're going to, if we're gonna do this, we need to at least monitor the community to make sure, like, that our actions don't, you know, cause the community to explode. Um, and it does seem like the community handle themselves. But yeah, you're, I think you're right that that overall, developers should be, you know, or they can they can rely on the community a lot more than they tend to.
0: Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, this goes back to like, let's say, like Unreal Tournament, um, like Unreal Tournament and Counter Strike, where you know the dev the developers had a good, um you know they had a good uh, relationship with the community but the community still managed itself you know like epic did, unless you had like a fake cd key you weren't getting a ban hammer from epic okay you weren't getting a ban hammer from epic unless you had a fake cd key and with valve was the same thing unless you had a fake cd key or you were cheating you know if you were like caught vac cheating you would get banned but other than that i'm real tournament community and the Counter-Strike communities, they had their own, you know, the community had their own servers. They had their own ban lists, which they enforced on those servers. And, you know, they had a community of, you know, you had your regular Counter-Strike community, you had a community of server admins who shared information amongst each other about certain players and ban lists and things like that. And then you also had the competitive Counter-Strike community, which had their own rules and regulations and stuff, and, you know, who they, they played with. Some players get blackballed because they were, you know, a pain in the ass to deal with, or they were toxic to teams and stuff like that. But all that happened inside of the community, Epic didn't have anything to do. That Epic didn't. Oh, not Epic. Sorry. Well, yeah, Epic and uh, Valve didn't have anything to do with the competitive scenes, besides just making sure, like you know, that the tools were available for those communities to do what they wanted to do. Both Valve and uh, Epic made sure that we had the communities had development tools so we can make our own anti-cheat systems. We can make our own uh, plugins so that, you know, we can enforce ban lists. You know, uh, in, in the case of Counter-Strike, you can run scripts. You can run scripts client-side, you can run scripts server-side. You know, you can do all these things that enable these communities to grow and become what they are. I mean, Counter-Strike has been competitive for, like, whew, god, like, almost 15, uh, 15 years or more now. You know, how long has Counter-Strike been competitive? That's, that's a long competitive streak. You know, and the only reason Unreal Tournament competitive scene died is because Epic decided they wanted to they wanted to re- rely more heavily on consoles, so they dumbed down the game for console, and it totally killed Unreal. You know, as as it was, that was their own fault. But like you know, they they never got involved with you know managing the community itself, and dev- I think developers need to step back and let the communities manage themselves. Makes sense. You know. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Like, this is a perfect example of a community handling things on their own. Because, you know, people are going to be people. People are going to be racist. They're going to be bigots. They're going to be misogynists, you know. And if you're inside of a, com- a community of bigots, racists, and misogynists, it's a free country. You have freedom of speech. You can do what you want. As long as, you know, your freedom of speech doesn't impair somebody else's freedoms in general, you know what I'm saying, fine. You do what you want over there. Leave us alone. But, you know, if you are a racist inside a community that doesn't accept racism, well, then you might want to not be racist inside that community. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I really like that part of this story where the community is going out, is, is doing their own thing and not necessarily saying to the developer, you have to stop these guys. You need to ban these guys. The community is doing their own thing. And you know why it is, Nick? Why it's like that? Because
1: it, it's PC. That's I it was why. <laughs> because if the developer bans them, then they can't get any money from them.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm I'm really happy about that. Let's move on to our next topic, which is about the realism of war games. So, um, PBS, this, 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 another one from what was this game slash show? Um, he uh <laughs> has uh you know a video about well I shouldn't say he but PBS has a video about how first person shooters misrepresent war and you know he's going through all this you know he goes through all these um uh, kind of like the history of war games a short history of war games talking about what well, started as like you know top down board games where you're the general and you're far away and you know it's about controlling units and resources and blah blah and we still have those games today I mean even StarCraft. Is like that, like you know, you're controlling units and resources, and you know the the end game is to eliminate your enemy by can you know you know cutting off them from their units and resources.
1: Well, StarCraft much. evolved from Warcraft, yeah, like <laughs> War, So, yes,
0: yes, yes and that that's that's how that happened. But then you know, you starts going to first-person shooters and saying, well, you know, why are they so unrealistic? Why can't they be more realistic? Like you know, limiting your ammo. Or, you know, have more team-based tactics and blah, 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 blah. We're going to have the video in the show notes, okay? But the the simple fact that he overlooks, I feel that he overlooks, is that they're video games. They're supposed to be fun. They're not supposed to necessarily have a message, even though some of them do. But first and foremost, they're supposed to be fun. And he's talking about, like, you know, Single-player Call of Duty. Single-player Battlefield. Single... He's not even talking about the multiplayer aspects of these games. When you play a single-player game, of course you're going to be, like... In most of them, you're going to be a one-man army. You know? And there, there's actually other... There there are first-person shooters... You know, you know, well, I don't necessarily think first-person shooter. Actually, no. Yeah, first-person shooter games, because uh, Rainbow Six was uh, was first-person. Like, Rainbow Six Vegas, more specifically, was first-person. And, um... You know, you still you have a team that you can control in that game. Uh, Ghost Recon is a third-person shooter. Uh, but, I mean, besides, I think besides Advanced Warfare, and even in Advanced Warfare, not Advanced Warfare, um, is it Advanced Warfare or Advanced Soldier? Something like that. The one where you have, like, the little eye, pa- eye patch thing on for the first time, and it came out on the 360. That one, I'm pretty sure you have a team as well in most of your missions. So not every shooter game is just you going on a rampage. Shit, even in Call of Duty single player, it's you and you know another two or three people. Like it's not just you going through. I can't remember an area like most of the areas where you're by yourself, especially in Advanced Warfare, are uh, stealth areas. But in most of the areas, it's you and a friend. You know, uh, you and a partner. You and a you know a fellow uh, soldier. So even that is, is is you know it's a team aspect, but it doesn't necessarily, he's right, it doesn't rely on team work or team tactics. But that's because not everybody likes tactical shooters. (laughs) You know, not everybody likes a tactical shooter. Um, You're not just running around, like you know, spraying bullets in all first-person shooters. Like, you know, there's a distinct difference between, well, not only playing games like, let's say, Call of Duty and Battlefield versus, let's say, a Counter-Strike or an ARMA, or America's Army, but there's a difference between playing Call of Duty, um, casually, and competitively. There's a difference between playing Battlefield casually and competitively. There's a difference between playing Counter-Strike casually and competitively. And when you look, you start to look at it from that aspect, what we didn't get, like, some of the points you hit on, like, you know, uh, saving your ammo, not spraying bullets, you know, stuff like that, it comes into into play more. More so in, Call, in, in Counter-Strike than Call of Duty. But, um, yeah, it, it still does come into play more. But then it's funny because he talks, the games that he's talking about, like he's like, well, what, you know, why can't games do that? Why can't first-man shooters games, uh, you know, be more realistic by having you carry less ammo, making it, it so the ammo is more important or that you have to rely on team tactics. Then he mentions Arma at the end of the video. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's the game exactly you were talking about. I was like, yeah, it's like games like Arma exist, but they're, they're such a small niche. And it's like, do you know why Arma is a niche? Arma is a niche because it's so realistic. <laughs> That's why if you made if you if you made, made first person shooters or war games specifically more realistic, they'd all be niche because they're not necessarily the most fun thing to play. Arma is only fun to play for a certain amount of people, therefore, it is a niche.
1: If you made any game realistic it destroys the game aspect. I think one of the keywords that he uses repeatedly is fantasy. He talks about the whole concept of the one-man army going in and single-handedly winning a war and saying that's a fantasy. And that's exactly right, is that gaming by and large is about fantasy. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, hey, you, know, you, you can you know, run around with a sword playing you know, with dragons and stuff. But even then to a degree, I mean, if you actually had to carry around a sword all day and you know, swing that every time you had to fight somebody you know, I mean, people were complaining, what was it, from, from playing, uh, like, the Wii Sports that their arms get tired after a while. Yeah. And, that, you know, and that was one of the things, like, even with the Zelda game where you actually had to, like, swing the, to move the sword. Like, you know, it's a lot easier to just hit the button. And, like, yeah, that, like, all of the combat games have some level of fantasy taken. It's all abstraction. And I, I think that there's a valid question to be asked in that we've, we've created this war fantasy that allows people to participate in war in an unrealistic fashion with a somewhat realistic setting. I mean the weapons are supposed to be modeled on realistic weapons. The settings are supposed to be realistic settings. Um but that's that's not what he explores here. I mean he talks – he touches vaguely on the fact that people go to war and come back with PTSD. But fundamentally, if we made a realistic war game, like wouldn't that give you PTSD? <laughs> like that's – like what's the point of playing a, a war game that is legitimately going to mess with your head like that? Like we, 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 we fantasize war and it works because, again, like these war games sell very well. What did he say? Like they made like $11 billion over the last few years? Um, yeah. I mean and, and that that's the fundamental problem. It's not that we should expect more out of our war games, because we do get those war games that you know, like Arma that he did praise at the end, but it's that the it's it's that People are willing to pay so much. People will buy into this war fantasy, and then, then the follow up question is: Does that actually then influence how people look at real world, you know, real world decisions when we do have to send the army in somewhere? and they're like, oh, well, I'm good at Call of Duty, so we should be able to take care of whatever's going on in the Middle East. If like people are making that logical jump, then you know that might be a problem. But he, he doesn't address that at all. He basically just comes out and says first-person shooters are not realistic and they're stupid. Which he we we know that he doesn't like first-person shooters because he had that article uh, or that video we talked about a while ago about the death of the first-person shooter. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's one of those things where I, th- I think you you'd like to hope that when, you know again again you know it, it's 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 almost the same it's it's almost the same kind of fallacy when you know there's some kind of violent outbreak and they find out oh well he was playing you know he's playing violent video games they're murder simulators. You know, they're murder instructors and it's the same kind of thing. Like, like this is not, this is, it's like, just cause you're good at call of duty. It does not mean you're, you know, like we can put you in, you know, in a war zone and expect you to come out and survive. It's, it's, it's not comparable at all. And, and there is, there, there may well be effects on somebody's psyche from playing that and their understanding. And you'd like to think, you'd like to think, I mean, cause what do we always say when people are like, Oh, you know, the, you know, people are playing these games and then they're killing people. And we're like, look, it's just a video game. Most people know the difference. Yeah. Most people, Because again, it's a fantasy and he points that out. It's a fantasy. And I think, I would think most people that play that, they'd understand that. And they're like, okay, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to play Call of Duty. I'm going to shoot some, some fictional bad guys. And, you know, then I'm going to go to go to bed and get up for work the next day. I think most people understand that. And, yeah, and instead of, I guess, exploring the psychological aspect where he might actually have some ground to stand on, instead he just talks about how we need first-person shooters to be more realistic and represent war better. And but then he undercuts his point because he talks about movies and he talks about, you know, stuff like Rambo, you know, comparing that with saving private Ryan. And then basically says like the movie industry is big enough to support all these, where you've got the one-man fantasy and you've got the realistic look look at war. And then it's like, well, why isn't the games industry big enough? Because we do have Arma and we do have Call of Duty. And while more people prefer Call of Duty, the game industry still does have Arma there. So I mean it's it's you know, I I think it's it's almost like it's almost like it's not just. It's he's saying like the movie industry can support having your fantasy and your your real your reality. And I'm using that even loosely because it's, Saving Private Ryan was still Hollywood fantasy, but if the movie industry can sort of have room for both of those both of those takes on war, why can't the gaming industry? Why is it that the the right way to represent war is only through tactical representation in realistic settings, but fantasy war is to be looked down upon?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's 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 a it's a game like you know you play it to have fun which is why like i said earlier arma is a niche you know he mentioned that you know he you know he referenced i should say he referenced that you know uh some people who were in the military before they were saying that you know the these shootouts that we see in like battlefield and call of duty don't necessarily happen in real life and i mean that's understandable because uh, there'd be a way more exciting shit on the news if that was the case.
1: Battlefield <laughs> Hardline.
0: <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was it was like you know they, there's the, the battles are more concise and you know they're they're not as dramatic and there's less action and uh, that's just not fun to play. <laughs> you know that wouldn't be fun to play unless you're into something like Arma because that is how Arma plays. You know that that is how Arma plays. You know if somebody takes a shot. You know. A thousand yards away from you, and you guys are trying to figure out where that came from without getting killed, you know, at the same time. So, like, that, that, what he's talking about, it already exists, man. It exists, and the reason more of it doesn't exist is because it is niche, it is not that fun to play, unless you're into it, but most people are not. A lot of us want that, you know, that fast action, um, from, you know, from the the first person shooters like, you know, I play different shooters for for different reasons, you know like, uh, I actually don't even really play Call of Duty that much I might play it once or twice every few months, you know, but that's when I just want to kind of get in there and just start you know, it's like trying to outshoot somebody, that's more of just like a Twitch thing you know, Uh, versus you know, when I play Counter-Strike or even now Ghost Recon is more of a strategic thing, and even Counter-Strike is even more strategic than Ghost Recon you know so, you, the, people play different 1st person shooters for different reasons. You know, even, like, you know, playing an arena shooter, like Quake or Unreal Tournament, you know, I play that not necessarily because I just want to get in and shoot stuff, but there's a, like, there's a diff- different, uh, different style of, of gameplay when you play competitively in that. You know, it's tactics and speed and reaction versus mostly Counter-Strike, which, which is just tactics and, you know, how quickly and how steadily you can aim at somebody you know like so you have the different types of shooters for the different types of people who like to play different types of shooting games there's nothing wrong with the fantasy shooters his problem may be with people who take them too seriously but anybody who you know knows anything about the world will soon realize that this is not realistic
1: well i, I think that that may be sort of the one caveat is that anybody who's taking them too seriously clearly doesn't know about the world
0: yes exactly <laughs> and, like
1: if if you're
0: really young that's one thing you know and uh, who knows it may it may actually uh it may actually warp your perspective to join- if you're like let's say fifteen sixteen and you really don't understand um you know it may warp your perception and you're like, okay, I'm gonna join the military when i'm uh you know when I'm eighteen or seventeen or eighteen, that's one thing but like if you if you come out of that you know that that age and you hit like twenty twenty one and you're finally learning about the world. It's it's pretty cut cut and dry that these th- that this is not realistic, you know. Yeah. It, that that's the thing. Actually, even if you if you if you uh, fire a gun for the first time, <laughs> you will immediately learn that that is not realistic. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> like, you know what things that happen in video games and a lot of video games are not realistic. You know. Uh. But, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, he, the way he presented this video is like, you know, we need to do better. He says we can improve shooters by doing this. No, we already have games that do that. We don't need all shooters. To be what we need is variety. We need Call of Duties. We need Battlefield. We need Counter-Strikes. We need Ghost Recons. We need ARMAs all to exist in the same space. Because playing first-person shooters isn't just about shooting. You know? Some play, people play first-person shooters because they like the satisfaction of aiming keeping steady aim, and taking an opponent down, okay? Some people like shooters because, you know, like, like let's say Unreal Torment or Arena Shooter, that, you know, you can be bouncing around the level, and they can be bouncing around the level, but still your accuracy is good enough to take that person down. Some people like shooters because they like the tactical aspect of it. They like the planning phase, they like executing set plan, they like going in firing four shots, killing everybody in a room with just, like, four or five shots, planting a bomb, and then letting that shit explode. That's the tactical aspect of it, you know? Then you like ARMA because you, you really like wartime shit. <laughs> you know? Like, the, the people like first, different 1st person shooters for different reasons, and he needs to respect that.
1: It's it's kind of like playing some of the racing games. Like some of the racing games, they really represent like the physics of the cars and how they drive. And, and you know, you get realistic damage where like you get a bump and you're pretty much out of the race. And then you got uh, some of the racing games where like you're, you're jumping over cars and blowing shit up and, and, you know, your car doesn't take any actual damage and you can keep going. And – Yeah, you know, like clearly one of those is more realistic and one of those is more fantastical and it really depends on what the player prefers. I think with war games and I I think gaming in general is that people play gaming for the fantasy. Like you can hold up the example of Rambo and Saving Private Ryan, but there's a difference between watching a movie like Saving Private Ryan or, you know, playing a game where you play as one of the guys in the troop that has to find Ryan and then gets killed. Right. Like that's – that's a shitty experience. Like, I can watch the movie Saving Private Ryan because, ostensibly, like, okay, yeah, like those guys die, but at the end they find Ryan, and then you can, you know, and then you get to actively discuss, like, well, was that worth it? But if you're one of those, if you play as one of the soldiers that gets killed trying to find them, like, it doesn't lead to the same discussion. You just feel like it almost, it's, it's going to make you feel like you just wasted your time. Right. Like, like, that doesn't, like, I mean, and I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe somebody can make a game out of Saving Private Ryan that, that gives you the same experience. Um, but it have to be something where like you're managing the squad and you still watch the squad die individually, which again is not a first-person shooter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it, it's, it's. Yeah, I mean, there's there's ways to to address that, and I I think there are certain discussions to be had. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, video games are intended to provide a fantasy. I mean, even then, that's one of the things when we talk about like VR and how that's going to come and you know, to start to change things. You know, it's it's. You know, I think, you know, it's not like we can, you know, be put into like a holodeck type type room where we're actually running and jumping and actually doing everything that we see our character doing in VR. So there's going to be after some kind of interface where you're pressing the buttons because, you know, like, you know, if you're going to play a game like, like Mirror's Edge where you're doing like heart, you know, parkour all the time, like most people, if you know, most people can't do parkour for a video game it would have a fucking heart attack (laughs) exactly exactly there has to be some level of abstraction in order to give that experience and yeah it's i mean that and that's that's what video games do is they abstract the experience to give you the fantasy that you can do this, that, you know, if, if you're lucky, you can kind of, you know, let the immersion take hold and pretend that you're in that situation. Um, you know, whether it's a, you know, a realistic wartime shooter, and I'm using realistic in quotes there, or if it's like, you know, like medieval fantasy where you're slaying dragons or, you know, hell you're, 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 you know, you're a tubby little plumber jumping through pipes to jump on mushrooms. It's, right. It's, it's, you know, none of it's real. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's the fantasy is tantamount. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with fantasy. No, nothing wrong with little fantasy.
0: And he needs to respect our opinions, while we disrespect <laughs> his. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to our next topic uh, regarding uh, console button mapping. So, something that came along with the latest uh, PSN update is the fact that you can now map buttons. That's a big deal. Like you get, and not just from, uh, you know a game or individual games but on the P on the controller period there is a button mapping feature which I totally missed this. I didn't see this at all. Um but yeah you get all the PS and buttons on uh, the PS uh the sorry all the dual shock buttons can be mapped to other buttons. Which is huge. Well for one for me it's because I've definitely played games like uh Devil May Cry specifically. I played and I really wished I could have mapped the buttons uh when I played that game originally on PS3. Um, but I got through it even though I couldn't but now I mean like for you know disabled gamers this is a huge deal for them it's a huge deal I mean for able gamers for years has been talking about the need uh, to be able to customize uh, buttons uh, to, to, to suit you know uh, disabled gamers better and Sony has brought it console wide I think that's a big deal developers don't even have to care about it anymore on the, on the PlayStation Mini you know, that's something plus, they can take off their plate.
1: Plus, this actually then applies to the actual PlayStation menu itself—that you don't have to, you know. I mean, admittedly, it's not like you're doing a lot of hardcore gaming just navigating the menu, but still, that makes a difference.
0: It does. So, so a big kudos to Sony for bringing out that uh, that update.
1: I I, I want to know if you like if you share your your uh, your game in Destiny. Can somebody then, when you're not looking, go into your screen and remap your buttons?
0: <laughs> I know who I can ask <laughs> uh, Poor kid Never gonna live that down uh, Let's move into the last topic Which is the Fem Link Jam Now Nick brought this up I didn't even know this existed I didn't see it on any of my feeds How did you find this Nick?
1: Um, I, th- I saw it on Twitter I think I don't know I'd, I'd, I'd have to I don't know I'd have to look for it
0: yeah, so like the Fem Link jam is gonna be a game jam where I guess a bunch of developers try to take uh take on making, you know, Zelda like games but with a female Link. You know, or a Linkle, which is uh, supposed to be supposedly uh it was supposed to be Link's younger sister from Hyrule Warriors. Uh, but she never made it into the game. But yeah, like uh I guess people are a little upset that Nintendo won't make a female Link. And uh, they they want to take matters into their own hands and make Zelda-style games. There's actually very specific rules uh, for this game jam, which is a uh, see. What do you have to do? Oh, these are optional. These 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 things are optional here. Yeah. Oh, actually no. I'll read the, the like the, the the first rules first. Let's see. Hold on a second. It is uh, the player is female and name blank. These are the official rules for the game jam or... Ah, uh, the ironclad rules. They said the player is female and named Link. How you define this is set up to you. Some participants have asked me if they could use Linkle instead. That is fine with me, and certainly seems within the spirit of this jam. Besides, if I, I said if I said the character had to be named Jessica, it's not like Jess wouldn't be acceptable.
1: The isn't game... it really the other way? Like the character would be named Jess. Would Jessica be acceptable? Yes. Yes.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, the game takes place in the Zelda universe. How you define this is up to you. Here are the optional things. The player can communicate directly with deities. The player can acquire limited magic powers. The player can shapeshift. The player can manipulate time directly or in some way affected by a third-party direct manipulation of time. Music or a musical instrument plays an instrument, H-A, role in the game. Uh, I guess you didn't say ha, sorry. <laughs> Exploration. And often this means transportation is very cool. Lots of NPCs who may or may not offer side quests, various humanoid races who speak the same language as a player, power, wisdom, courage. Uh, entries will be judged on the following: how sweet is the art? How sweet is the music? How sweet is the story? How sweet is the game? What so, do you mean by sweet?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I guess like that's the, the I I don't know this the sweetness rating. How does that work? Yeah. I I'm not sure that there's no uh <laughs> there's nothing quantifiable here on the sweetness. So I'm I'm not sure how to answer that. Um they actually give you instructions uh how to make a game if you want to. So that's actually pretty cool. I guess yeah. the very limited instructions. Nothing yeah like you're not gonna <laughs> bust out a
1: uh a Bioshock Infinite <laughs> you know, with these tips. Well, but... it's, it's a game jam anyway, you're not gonna bust out a Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. I think that's that. That's really the the hard thing here is is I mean, Zelda games are pretty deep. I mean, not not even as yeah. far as, uh, you know, like I mean, obviously, you know, graphics can be retro and fairly simple in that regard, but just you you generally you need what eight dungeons with eight bosses, and they all have a some kind of unique encounter. And there's a, usually you need to get a weapon in order to defeat the boss, and then you can go back and use that weapon or or uh, whatever or the weapon or the item in order to navigate the world elsewhere. Like they're fairly complex, and so. I mean, I wouldn't think you'd really be able to do much of a Zelda game out of a 24-hour jam.
0: Yeah, it's like, like Zelda games are carefully crafted, like carefully crafted, you know. And I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting these games to to be close to what you know a Nintendo would produce. But at the same time, like there's a lot to really live up to Cause there's been other games that try to clone Zelda before and they fail miserably, and that's with big budgets, you know. Yeah. Um, And and
1: lots and lots of time.
0: Yeah, and lots and lots of time. I guess I don't know. I I don't know what they're necessarily trying to prove here. I think because like if if these games actually from these game jams, if they did come out, I would imagine like they'd be free for the most part. And I don't know if they want to say say, hey, Nintendo, look at us. We made you know uh, Zelda games with a female Link, and people like it, or people are playing it. Uh, versus you know maybe somebody putting one out for sale and seeing if, if it sells well and then saying, Hey, Nintendo, this game is selling even though it has a female link, even if that was the case, I would imagine a lot of the sales would come from the fact period that people, you know, from the people who like the idea of having a female link.
1: I, I think it's more just the, the fact that they can kind of say they did it and like, look, Nintendo, like here, here's interest in a female link because Nintendo did. Cause I mean, that's the whole thing is, you know, People saw that image of, of Link, and really, it's just Link's hair. Like Link's got his hair pulled back a little bit more, and it makes him look a lot girly because Link's always been kind of androgynous. Yeah, and I mean that's the whole thing is like Link's, you Link's like right at that age where it's like right, like he's just about to hit puberty and actually like differentiate whether he's a dude or a chick, and. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I'll I'll admit that hair makes him look female, but at the same time, like, it's not like, it's not like he's got anything else that really screams. It's not like he's got anything that screams, you know, masculine or feminine, He's, he's, you know? So yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so people saw the hair that way and, and there was nothing to kind of disincline them from reading the hair as female. And then, you know, Nintendo had to be like, no, Link's a dude. Link's always a dude. And then everybody, you know, and I shouldn't say everybody, but there, you know, there are some people that, that got excited by the concept of a female Link and, and Nintendo shot them down. And so this is kind of their way of, I guess, protesting to a degree to be like, look, Nintendo, if we can drum up this kind of interest in a female Link, there's interest out there. Why don't you do that? But it's, I think the issue here isn't so much like, let's make games with female like, Make games like make games with a good female protagonist that rivals Link. Make make a Zelda game with a female protagonist who isn't Link that's better than Link. You know, like like don't. I, I think that's the thing here is like don't force Nintendo like don't force Nintendo to have to change to suit your agenda, but like outdo Nintendo at their own agenda. Like make a game that's better, and uh, and I, I think if you can do that. And and create a game with a, you know, that's a Zelda-style game, not set in the Zelda universe. That's Nintendo's. Leave that alone. Right. But if you can go go out and make a game that's Zelda-like with a strong female protagonist, and even then, I think that's one of the things that that, in a way, maybe that's where Nintendo misspoke because they kind of tried to say like Link's gender isn't important. We want to keep Link kind of androgynous. They didn't actually use the word androgynous. Uh, what they said Link is neither male nor female Link isn't even a character per se Link is just the player's avatar whoever that player may be and so they're trying to it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's almost like they're trying to be like we keep Link androgynous because this way there's no strong male or female iconography to force the player not to be able to inherit that character but from a lore perspective Link is always a dude so, right yeah
0: yeah I mean that's the thing like, uh, I, I... Link is, is, is always the character. I mean, like, I don't identify with Link. Not, I mean, he's a male, yeah, but other than that, he's also, like, an, like an elf. <laughs> you know? Like, he's, he's also an elf, and he's white. Like, you know, like, I don't...
1: Like, yeah, we, I should don't do, we should do the curved ears jam. Like, damn it, Nintendo, we want Link with normal human ears. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for 24 hours, people are going to make a game with Link with normal ears and Zelda style.
0: Right, yeah, no. So I don't necessarily identify with Link, but at the same time, I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need for them to make Link taller and darker or or anything like that. Because you're right, Link is just a player avatar. Link is like a shell, you know. He's like a shell. Like Gordon Freeman is a shell, you know. Like the reason why Gordon Freeman is considered a, a like, you know, you never hear about people talking about how great of a hero Gordon Freeman is or how great of a hero Link is because those characters are the players themselves. You know what I'm saying? They don't have dialogue. They don't have morals. They don't make decisions. You do. You know, versus some other characters, like, let's say, Cole uh, from... Even though, technically speaking, like, you know, Cole from Infamous, you're making the decisions, but it's kind of like you're just... Like, he's the character, and you're playing along with it. You know what I'm saying? You're making some major decisions. But, you know, you can kind of shape him. You can kind of shape Cole... But versus Link, you're everything to Link. You know what I'm saying? Your mind is his voice, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's
1: almost like he's your Link to the game.
0: Oh, look at you, Nick! Look at you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like he—he is your Link to 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 the game itself.
1: He's not. Like, he's not your Linkle to the game. That doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like you know, those characters are empty shells. Versus, let's say, like you know, I'm trying to think of some other heroes like Cole. Delson, like Infamous, is just on my mind right now. Um, Alora Croft, you know, a Nathan Drake, like all those characters, or even a Master Chief, you know, those characters have dialogue and they have their own personalities. Link doesn't, <laughs> you know. They're they're the character itself. At least that's how I feel about it. I mean, I don't think Nintendo. I don't think they're they're not changing Link because they don't think a female Link would sell or anything like that, there's just no reason for them to change Link to a female. There's no reason.
1: You know, it's, it's one of those things, too, like if you want to jump on Nintendo for like, oh, you know, here it is, just another male protagonist, don't forget, this is the company that blew everybody's mind by making Samus a woman. Yes. So when it makes sense to do it, like, yeah, they can very easily, you know, kind of, you know, play with gender if they have to. And, I mean, hell, they even, uh what, Sheik? You know, Sheik in the one Zelda game turned out to be Zelda. I mean, that was an interesting way to play with gender with that fit within the mythos. Yeah. So it's not that Nintendo is, you know, it's not that Nintendo is not open-minded about this, but in this case, it's like, you know, it's, 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 in, in this case, I, I think they maybe, they leaned a little too hard on the, you know, Link is a dude, you know, move on. It's, I, th- I think they were more hitting the right note by kind of saying, like, and I think they should have just come out and said, like, technically, for all intents and purposes, we're going to use Link as a male. But fundamentally, the character is intended to be androgynous, so everybody can identify with it. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, think about, think about all the, the video game heroes you mentioned, even Gordon Freeman. Um, you know, the, I mean, Gordon Freeman's what, a guy in his 20s or 30s? Uh, yeah,
0: I would imagine he's in his
1: 30s. He's got facial hair. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. He has a goatee, doesn't he? He has a goatee, yeah. Yeah, so... that I mean that mean, like, means he's 30? I don't know if that means... No, I'm just saying... Well, he's, he's he's post-pubescent then, I guess. But yes, like, he is. You know, he's not a, but, well, no,
0: well, I, I think the fact that he graduated from MIT and he's a really, really smart scientist would say he's closer to 30 <laughs> than his 20.
1: Yeah, but... He's no, no Doogie but, Hauser. No, but, the, but my point is, if if he has... If, if there's a picture of him with a slightly different haircut, nobody's going to suddenly think, oh, my God, is Gordon Freeman a chick? Right. You know, I mean, even as far as, like, Mass Effect, where, you know, there's a strong FemShep following... Male Shep and female Shep look very different. they fit their genders appropriately, and so i mean to, to nintendo 's credit they 've managed to take link and make this androgynous character that nobody has any real issues with it 's not it 's not androgynous like you know like david B- Bowie and like glamrock were androgynous back in the day like it 's just it has no defining characteristic one way or the other like I said, it looks like a, you know it looks like you know like a thirteen year old boy doesn 't quite hit puberty yet and it could kind of you know or a 13 year old girl who hasn't quite hit puberty yet right and so yeah i mean to, that's an intention, intentional art, artistic style that's to their credit that they've managed to pull that off i guess it's to their credit that the franchise is what 20 years old and we're now just having this argument right yeah but and and part of that too is i mean you know graphical fidelity improving because i mean link was what a chubby little green sprite back in the day that,
0: that that he was
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's i don't know i guess the only real misstep you could look at is when they uh they gave link a personality for that old legend of zelda cartoon yeah and he was just a dumb asshole
0: yeah <laughs> yeah he was also an asshole in the uh the captain n series yes he was also an asshole in the captain n yes that was like some American shit. I mean, yeah, <laughs> was well, one. yeah,
1: you had Simon Belmont being all weird, and yeah, that whole that whole series was odd. But I remember liking it at the time. I don't think it would fly now.
0: Nah, I don't think so either. Well, no. one, because Nintendo's not nearly as possible as it used to be. So not nearly as uh, popular as it used to be, I should say. So okay, I think it's gonna bring us to the end of our Mashcast. Um, Let's see, anything coming out good? I'm not seeing anything on this list that's, like, really worth mentioning. To be honest with you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> another, uh, a bit of a drought here. Um, Dark Souls 2 comes out on April 7th. Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin. I don't know if that's DLC or what. Uh, P- April 14th for GTA uh, PC. That's April 14th. Mortal Kombat X, More. Uh, that's April 14th. Hmm. Titan Souls for PS4 is April 14th as well. Which, R- that, R-
1: huh? Mm-hmm. No, you're saying about Titan Soul?
0: Titan Souls is April 14th for PS4 and PS Vita. Uh,
1: R- RBI Baseball 15 making a comeback.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I'll be skipping <laughs> that one. I'll be skipping. I'm not a fan of baseball, period. Um, That will be the show 15 coming out on the 31st. Yeah, and I did our live five last round coming out for PC on the 30th. Yeah, I think that's about it, guys. That's about it. Uh, okay, so as always, thank you for listening. You can catch us on SoundCloud.com slash buttons. We are on iTunes for your iOS devices. Uh, we are on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices. We are on player.fm, and we are on, what is it, podcasts? Uh, Pocket Cast. Sorry,
1: <laughs> Pocket yes. Cast,
0: We are also I, on.
1: I actually listened to last week's show on Pocket Cast.
0: Oh, you did. So now you're back. You're regular again, Nick. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I st- I stopped listening because I couldn't get it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, now, there you go. See, even Nick is back on board, even though he's on the actual podcast. <laughs> um. So yeah, po- we are on Pocket Cast Uh, we are also on facebookcom slash Smash those buttons. We are on YouTube.com/slash/mash those buttons. Now we are on twitter.com/mtb_site. Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah, podcasts. So this week, along with the Mashcast, we have uh, Wow Talk coming. Okay. Uh, next week we should have a brand new uh, Double Tap, and then a week after that, which is the week of the 13th, we will have a new An Orbit. And actually, that week, too, we'll also have a wild talk. Yes. So, new podcast, new month, new podcast coming up. Uh, hope you guys listen to those. And uh, hope you keep, guys keep listening to the MASHcast. You know, you guys can always comment, uh, send an email if you have any questions, concerns, suggestions. What's,
1: what's the email address?
0: The email address? Yeah. Uh, contact at mashthosebuttons.com. Cool. So, you can just send an email there if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. We are all up for it. Um, And like I said, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.
1: Have a great week, everybody.